Praise God. Hey, give it up for our worship team and those watching online this morning. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, worship team, for all your hard work. Uh, I do have a word uh, today, I believe, for the church world, uh, people in the church world, people that maybe are just visiting the church world, the, the, you today, those watching online. Uh, and I don't, I believe it's in a sense prophetic, and I don't do a lot of uh, prophetic words. Um, and, I, and so the ones the Lord gives me, I take to heart. I don't, I, I try not to just throw stuff out there and see if it'll stick. And the Lord woke me up uh, Wednesday morning about 4 o'clock. And I prayed for a couple hours, and he just started dropping things in my spirit and just started making so much sense on what he had prepared for me. So we're going to talk about the Christmas story, but we're going to liken it with the, with the psalm. And we've been going over the five W's of Christmas, the who, what, when, where, why, and when. And uh, the first one was a couple of weeks ago, we talked about who, who Jesus is. And he's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the word became flesh. He's, he's the good shepherd. And if you, uh, if you feel like you're broken, go back and watch that one, because uh, Jesus allows us to lean on him in times of brokenness. And it's a really precious word that uh, the Lord gave me and showed us. And then last week was the what and where. Uh, you know, what is a baby born to a virgin in Bethlehem where? How does that make sense to anybody? And maybe you're in a place in your life where the what and where just don't make a lot of sense. You need to know that God's orchestrating things behind the scenes for you. He is building that tapestry, and right now all we see is the little knots and the, the crocheting behind. But one day when you get to heaven, you're going to see the front of that tapestry, and it's all going to make sense. And your life, even if others deem you a failure, your life is a beautiful picture to God. It's a beautiful tapestry. You are a creation of God. You were born and made in his image. And so you are of his likeness. And maybe others call you a failure or think, you think things haven't worked out quite the way you wanted them to, but God is orchestrating everything behind the scenes. And today's the why. Simon Sinek, a TED talker, uh, talks about start with why many major corporations and uh, businesses uh, that are really highly successful, even uh, five-level success, they know the why. Others will look at the what and the how. What is so-and-so doing or how do they do it? Not the why behind it. And I think this is what messed up the Jews and the Romans, the Sanhedrin court when they were, when Jesus was born, they didn't expect a baby in a manger. They didn't expect, they, they expected a king. They expected someone to come in and throw out the Roman rule and, and institute themselves as a king and correct everything. And sometimes as Christ followers, we want, to, we want Jesus to do that too. Just, would you just correct everything, Lord? I've prayed about it. Would you just straighten out the government and straighten out the politicians and straighten out Hollywood? Would you just straighten out my neighbor? And God doesn't work that way. He has a different why. His why is for people. His why is for love. His why is for, and this is why we're a church for all people. We really are. And, and we want to make sure that people are aware of that because the why is if we don't give people a chance, nobody will. Okay. And so God gives you a chance. So we're, today we're going to talk about the why. And then next week we'll talk about the win, but it's not W-H-E-N, it's W-I-N. And we look at the five W's as we were, we're looking at it, maybe an investigative journalist. That's the five W's, the who, where, when, why, what, when. 
But this win is the W-I-N. It's a, it's a victory in Christ Jesus. So we'll talk about that next week. But today is the why. And this maybe is my favorite message in this series because of the depth of knowledge of it. The takeaway. And if you'll, if you'll just meditate on it and take it away, even watch it again this week if you feel like you need to, so that you can understand why Jesus came for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for the gift that you gave uh, in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the moments that we have to share and to care in the Christmas season. Bless today each of us as we hear your word to take away the why you came. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said amen. Luke 2, 8 through 14 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were all filled with fear. King James says they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Everybody say all. All the people, that's our anchor verse, by the way, for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What a beautiful story, right? You know it. You've heard it. You've seen it. You've watched it on uh, the Peanuts cartoon. Linus quotes that, and he says it at the end when the tree turns from that shaggy tree to a, a beautiful tree. You've seen it in Christmas cards and on movies. You've watched the Hallmark movie channel. Anybody watch Hallmark movies at Christmas time? Yeah, I'm one of those saps. I do it every every now and then. And, and uh, uh, you know, they, they kind of just bring you in, you know. It just before you know it, now you know the plot to everyone. You know, it's a big city, rich person's going to go to a small town and take over the Christmas tree farm. And, you know, they're going to fall back in love with somebody. I'm not ruining it for you. This is not like a, you know, <laughs> a newsflash or anything. And then at the very end, they're going to kiss underneath the mistletoe. And that's every Hallmark movie at Christmas time. Just by the way, I give you the plot in 30 seconds or less, but for some reason, we just enjoy it. We love it because we love Christmas, because we love the fact that Jesus came to die for us. And so today we're going to investigate the why. Why is it? Why is it, though, that sometimes people are so sad at Christmas time? Why is it that sometimes people are so happy? Why is it so, why is it? And I think this is just part of life. We'll investigate it today. We're going to give you four things, four reasons why Jesus came. Number one, he, why did Jesus come? He came to seek and save those who are lost. I mean, he, he wants to seek you out. I want you to know this today. I want you to hear it firsthand. If maybe you've never heard it before, do's and don'ts do not get you saved. I think for years in the church world, we were like, if I act like this, or if I do this, or if I do that, that does not lead to salvation other than accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the work he did on the cross for you personally, that's what gets you saved. Nothing else will get you saved, okay? Or do's and don'ts don't keep you out of heaven. Now listen, when we get saved, God wants us to obey his commands and do his things. He wants us to earnestly seek after him with a sincere and pure heart. And as long as you do that daily, 
God will work with you. He'll straighten you out. Janie and I, when we first came into pastoring 20 years ago, full-time ministry, we said, listen, we're, we're not going to straighten people out. We're going to preach truth. We're going to love people the way they are. We're going to build relationships. It's not going to be about a religion or a denomination or anything of that nature or legalism or religious tradition. It's simply going to be God loves you. He loves me. He came to seek and save those who are lost. 100%. When people, uh, first responders, by the way, can we give all of our first responders just a hand of appreciation? Those who work in hospitals and those who work on fire trucks and ambulances and just all those who are first responders, thank you. First responders do a couple of things. They always ask two questions. Is this a rescue or is this a recovery? Rescue's different. We watched uh, back in May, we watched the movie Breakthrough at the, at the uh, downtown theater. We rented it out came out. It was a great time. And, and a rescue is different. A rescue is when there still is life, okay? A rescue is when you go and you think someone's in a, in a burning building, but they're still alive. Or in this case, the young boy fell into the lake and, and he was drowning and the, the crew got there. And, and finally, the man says, no, this is not a rescue. This is just a recovery. We're just going to find the body. We're going to find that, that young boy. And the, the one man stood up and uh, he didn't know he wasn't a God believer or follower. He said, no, this is a rescue. And he said something just told him to say that. Well, when Jesus came to seek, rescue, and save, recover the lost, it wasn't an either or, it's a both and. In other words, nobody in this place, nobody listening to me, nobody in your sphere of, of, uh, of influence is at the recovery stage as long as yet there is still breath. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Or the angel said, using Jesus' word, with God, all things are possible. What is that? There is a rescue and a recovery. He came to seek and save. And so, in other words, we're, we're lost and sometimes we don't even know we're lost. But Jesus comes and he's looking for us. Have you ever lost anything? Have you ever been one of those parents? Uh, you're in the store, maybe you're a grocery shop, and all of a sudden the little, little guy, Marcus, was this way. He would always let go the cart, and he was a wanderer. And Janie would say, where's Marcus? I said, I don't know. <laughs> He's around here somewhere. And, you know, you have that moment of like, oh, where's he at? And you got to go find that person. This is Jesus. This is what he did. It's like, where is, where is that? Adam, Adam, where are you? The very first person that he chose to seek and save was the one he created. Adam, where are you? He's looking at your name right now, and he's calling you out saying, where are you? If you are, in fact, lost. He came to seek and save the lost. I want to pair this text of Scripture with Psalms 84 because there's something miraculous there that I think teaches us about the birth of Jesus. It's a cute story. It's a beautiful story, but it's a profound story. It's a story of death and meaning. It's a story that gets us through today. So let's go to 84 Psalm, verses 1 through 4. How lovely, the psalmist says, is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul sings, yes, it faints for the courts of the Lord. In other words, that restoration, my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise, exclamation mark, Selah. Selah means to stop. 
pause, think about it, dwell on it. Our only granddaughter's name is Selah, Selah Grace. Stop, pause, think about it, dwell on it for a moment. And the psalmist here wants these scriptures to be rehearsed because this is what seeking and saving the lost is about. There's a, there's a court in the, court, in the king's court, they would come in and they would sense and see the presence of the king. They would bow before the king. It was an honor to be called to the king's court. Here, Jesus is seeking and saving the lost so they can be called to his court, so they can come into the inner court, so they can be in the presence of the king. He loves us that much that he wants to seek us out. That's a beautiful story. Uh, why did Jesus came? He came to seek and save those who are lost. By the way, we've all been lost at one time or another. Because you've been in church 40-some years like me doesn't make me any better than the person just seeking who Jesus is today. Longevity is not a thing. It's a marathon anyway. It's not a race. But it's not a, a checkoff either. I signed that box. I checked that ballot. Now I'm good to go. No, it's a, it's a way of life. I love Jesus more today than I did 40-some years ago. And I need to love him more tomorrow than I do today. I need to continue to grow in that relationship. And even if I start to fade away, he comes back to seek and save me. Oh, I don't have to get saved again. I don't have to get reborn I have to just renew my commitment to the Lord. Okay, Father, here I am. Thank you for seeking and saving me. Because of Psalms 84, 1 through 4, there's this house, there's this court, there's this resting place, there's this presence of God that the psalmist says, stop and think about it. How valuable that God thinks that you are, that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, that you would be too sought after and then saved because we are in a lost environment. Total restoration. It's like... Um, an antique store, if you go and, you know, anything with vintage or antique, Janie and I try to stay away from. We go to secondhand and consignment, you know. It's just verbiage. It's not like these people put more value on their thing than this one. I want to go to a, a garage sale. I want to get that dresser and maybe sand it down or paint it or have it look good, put some new knobs on it. And all of a sudden, it looks fresh and new. And then the antique store, they want you to, 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 to have it, but they're going to they're gonna have you pay the value. God looks at you as something that is valuable enough where he would send his son for you and die for you so that you can have life and that more abundantly. And he came to seek and save those who are lost. And number two, he comes to bring death into life. He wants to move you from a death situation to a life situation. If we say the, 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 the search and recovery, a rescue and recovery is the same thing, then we move from a death to a life, to a living scenario. This is what Jesus did in John 10.10. 10, the Bible says that the devil, the enemy comes to, uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to have, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In other words, that abundantly means to super abound. It's a, a continuous. He makes me a living. He makes not only am I living now, I live eternally. I have a super abundance of life. I'm happy for my life here, but I can't wait for my life there. I can't wait for to be on the other side, to see loved ones, to see Jesus, to talk to David, to understand the Holy Spirit better. This is a this this is a, from a death to life scenario. Let's read what the psalmist said in, in uh, Psalm 84, 5, uh, 7, or 5, 6, and 7. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and 
whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Think about that for a second. How does that really compare to the birth of of Jesus? Well, this is the only place in all of Scripture where the Valley of Baca is mentioned. But Baca is a place of weeping. So we go through the place of weeping. And this is true in all scenarios. If you're a Christ follower or not, you will go through seasons in your life where there will be weeping. You will go through seasons in your life where it will just seem unbearable. How am I going to make it another day? How is this going to work out for me? God, you said you were there. You said you'd never leave me, nor would you forsake me. How in the world can I make it through this valley? But we have to press through that valley of weeping. We have to press through that valley of Baca. And so we would go back to the, the Christmas message. We go back to Luke, the second chapter. And when we read the Christmas story and we see how Mary is now giving birth to the divine Savior, it takes you back to a few years ago on the History Channel. They had a, uh, a documentary of what it would have been like in Jewish culture when uh, the Christ child was born. Mary being Jewish but not being from Bethlehem, traveling there with Jesus, giving birth in a a manger, would have had most likely, in her case she may not have had because she wasn't from Bethlehem, in a perfect scenario she would have had about four or five women that would have gathered around her as she was getting ready to give birth. And since it is a day uh, not like today where maybe there would have been an epidural or some other form of medicine or medication that, that she could have taken, this is a natural birth, and, and it's, a, it's a birth where there is going to be a lot of pain, a lot of crying, a lot of weeping. So I want you to understand the spiritual connotation here because you might be in a place where there's pain or crying or weeping. These ladies would have gotten around her, and they would have almost weighed like a war chant or a singing, and they would have started to even warble over her. And if you've ever heard someone maybe praying in their prayer language, sometimes the the old saints of old, they would get into a downright warble. They would start to cry in their spirit. And the documentary said it gets to the place where it becomes a form of worship, where they're worshiping for the person while they're weeping and giving birth. So I want you to get the picture. When we pass through the Valley of Baca, Sometimes we need some worshipers on our, on our side so that when we're doing our weeping, they're doing our worship. Now listen, that, that needs to preach to some of you because I would say prophetically 2020 and 2021 have been years of weeping, okay? We all know, some of you have lost some people really, really close, dads and moms and brothers and sisters and aunts and cousins and nieces and nephews and husbands and wives. You've lost people to this COVID. You've lost jobs. You've lost businesses. You've, you've lost interest. You've drained and you've gotten to the point where you'd say, and I've heard it said, I can't even worship anymore. You weep, let me worship. You weep, let the church worship. 
You weep. Let's get together and worship for those who are weeping. Why? Because when those ladies would worship, when they would warble, when they would cry, when they would make a noise unto God, the expectant mother who is giving birth would have that, an easier time to go through that, that childbearing stage. This is what the Valley of Baca is. It's a weeping that when we pass through that weeping, but it also helps even more when we have worshipers on our side. So when you come into a community where worship service and you say, man, I just don't know if I can get anything out of that, then why don't you give some worship to it so those that are weeping can get through the things that are weeping about. It's a powerful scenario. We need some worshipers in the house because we've got some people weeping. And, it's, and I want to give you the okay, it's okay to weep. You don't have to be a strong Christian that says, hey, I'm going to worship. It's good if you can. But there might be a time where you can't even worship. You're just drawn out. You're weeping. Then let us worship for you. My wife asked when I was telling her a little bit about my about message and about the, I believe, the prophetic word that God's given me over, over the church world about weeping over the last two years. If you continue to weep, I believe God's got an answer for you because we're going to worship with you. And she said, well, what about Mary? Do you think she would have had those midwives with her worshiping? And it took, it took me to Luke, the uh, second chapter and the 13th verse right away. And I said, even if she didn't, the Bible says, and there was angelic hosts all over that place worshiping God and singing glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. They were worshiping. So if you don't have someone that will worship with you, there's angels camped all around you that are worshiping. And the Bible says, even if there weren't angels in Zephaniah, the third chapter, if you'll just muster up a little bit of a song, a little bit of worship, that the God Almighty is singing over you right now. In fact, he's singing over you and he says, he'll undo those things that bind you. In other words, that thing that you're weeping over, you may not forget about it. It may be a tremendous loss. It may be something tremendous that you don't want to forget about. The memories will still be there, but the pain will bring forth a new season in your life. Give the Lord a shout of praise. It's okay to weep. It's okay to weep. The Bible says that weeping lasts before the night, but joy comes in the morning. And we've said it for years around here. That morning isn't after daylight. That morning's after weeping. It's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. It's morning. I've spent my time in mourning. I've spent my time in weeping. I don't know if I can cry any more than just put on some worship music, even if you can't worship. Get into a, a congregation that worship, even if you don't know how, and let them worship with you and let them worship for you that while you're weeping, God brings forth something tremendous and something powerful. In Isaiah 54, he said, those women that that are in travail will bring forth more than the ones that even had babies. What are, what are we doing? We're travailing. We're weeping for those lost people. We're weeping for the people who are hurting. We're weeping for people who have pain, and we're worshiping for them while they're weeping because if you worship while you're weeping or if you worship for someone who is weeping, you'll see that God has a breakthrough at hand. Which brings us to point number three, and that's God's proclaim, he proclaims favor upon you. The first message that Jesus ever preached was to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. But the first message he ever preached inside the temple was when he went the, read the scrolls out of Isaiah and said they would free the captives. He would heal the brokenhearted. He would give sight to the blind. 
most of that's all spiritual, although Jesus did that in the physical. It was a spiritual connotation that he was after. And then he said he declared that this is the year of the Lord's favor. That year wasn't like one year. That year was a season that still exists today until Jesus comes back. That year was God's grace, charis, unmerited favor that he's giving us. He's proclaiming favor on each of us. He's proclaiming his favor. As we go through the valley of Baca, as we give birth to this thing that God has for us, a new season in our life, a new will. Maybe it's a passing of the mantle. Maybe it's a new season of adjustment. Maybe it's a new job or a new career. Maybe it's more or new education. There's this valley of weeping that we go through, and as we worship or connect ourselves to worship with angelic hosts and God Almighty, he starts to proclaim his favor upon you. I believe after 2020 and 2021, those season of weeping is almost over. That 2022, if we allow it, God will start to proclaim favor on you and your household, your loved ones, the people that are connected with you. Why is that? Because you've handled the weeping, you've pressed through. Psalm 84, I think it's verse 11, says this, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, I know a lot of upright people that are weeping. I know a lot of upright people that, that are just drained. They've lost things. They've lost people. They've lost relationships but I can't wait to see God proclaim his favor on them. I can't wait to see, because they, they live it uprightly. I pray for a friend not too long ago who was going through cancer treatment, and I know he walks uprightly. I knew God was going to bless him. I knew that, but he was, we, he was in a weeping moment. But, he, but I, he allowed me to worship over him. Are you with me? And all of a sudden, freedom came, clarity came, things come, favor came. Why is that? Because God has a promise for you if you'll walk in an upright state. He has favor for you. He's given you that promise. Mary was giving birth to Jesus Christ, the almighty son of God. And then the Bible says in Matthew, the second chapter, that he grew in stature, favor, and wisdom from an infant child. He grew in that. God bestowed favor upon him. God will bestow favor upon you too. I said this in the first service. I'll say it again. Favor is not a good parking place at the mall. I mean, that's, that's nice. But if I'm going to check the favor box, it's not going to be where I park. No, it's going to be getting through. It's going to be making it. It's going to be God's peace. It's going to be God's love. It's going to be God's joy. It's going to be God's happiness. It's going to be the fact that I know that God, if I was the only one on earth, sent his son for me to die because he thinks that much about each and every single one of us. Oh, yeah, I believe favor brings blessing. I believe favor is good. I mean, I believe favor puts you to the front of the line. Every promotion comes from God. I believe all those good things about favor. But I do think there's a trial that we may have to go through. If Jesus didn't get born, then we don't have a Savior. So I'm thankful that Mary was a favored of God, that that favor rests upon her, and favor will rest upon you as well. He proclaims favor on you. One of the reasons he proclaims favor on you is so that you can preach the good news. Point number four, there's a good news is the gospel. We preach the good news of the kingdom. 
This is good news. This is why the shepherds went down into Bethlehem to see the newborn baby. This was good news. It's not just a story. It's, it's a way of life. It's Jesus is born. We honor Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into this world. The psalmist in 84, 8 through 10 says this, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. You are God's anointed for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. We used to sing that song. Didn't seem like that long ago. It's probably been 20 years now. One day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. This psalm was written by the sons of Korah. If you know the story of Korah, uh, it's not a good story. Korah in Numbers, the 16th chapter, didn't think Moses was leading the charge very well. Korah and a group of 250 men thought they could do a better job, and they challenged Moses. And Moses was humble. He said, hey, let's leave it up to God to decide who should be a leader, who should be in charge. Moses didn't want it anyways. Remember that. He had five excuses. I stutter. I don't talk good. I, I, I You know, I'm shy. I, I, they're not going to believe me. I ran when I killed the guy. And, and so Moses was like, all right, yeah, maybe part of Moses was like, you go ahead. So Korah says, okay, let's leave it up to God. And the ground instantly opened up, and 250 men were just swallowed up by the ground like that. Right, Moses said, oh, I guess I'm in charge. <laughs> I guess that's the way God wanted it. But his sons took it to heart. And this psalm is written by the sons of Korah. See, they didn't want to be in charge. They wanted to be in the house of the Lord. They were, in fact, they were okay just being the doorkeepers. They didn't even have to be on the platform. They were okay working in the nursery. They were they okay. They wanted to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. They wanted, to, they wanted to share the good news, and that's why Jesus came. He came to preach the good news. What is the good news? You were lost, and now you can be found in Christ Jesus. You have a valley of weeping, but there's some worshipers on your side that are going to help push you through. And when you get through, God's going to bestow favor on you because he said, man alive, you did what other people couldn't do. I'm going to throw favor at you. I'm just going to throw favor and favor and favor at you. I'm just going to break this thing open and bless your socks off. Why? So when people are looking at you, because trust me, people watch you when you go through the valley. People are looking how you're going to react. I knew they'd give up on their God. I knew they preached it. It's easy to preach God when you got a good bank account. It's easy to preach God when everything's going good. I knew that was going to happen. No, they look at you and they see you go through that time of sorrow, that time of weeping. They look at you when they see that great loss in your life. They look at you when things aren't going so well and they say, my goodness, their God must really be real. Their God must really, really be real. You can preach the good news. You don't have to preach it to a multitude. You can just preach it to a next door neighbor. Come on back, worship. Let me tell you just a quick story. There was a little girl named Joni. She was eight years old. And she lived in a single household. Her mom had tried to work, and she, she wasn't real successful. So they lived in, uh, you know, um, government housing. They lived in Michigan. And this is quite some years ago. And, and uh, Joni... And her mom had a visitor every Tuesday night. It was a sergeant from the Salvation Army. 
and every Tuesday night, the sergeant would bring groceries. And so Joni always loved Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday because she knew there would be enough to eat. And then they kind of struggled through the weekend. And then Tuesday night, the Salvation Army guy would show up with a couple bags of groceries. And, you know, he was just doing what he knew was right in the Lord. And uh, uh, near Christmas time, a week or two before Christmas, he had a couple Christmas presents that they, they had given him, kind of like we do downstairs, and, and uh, just, just brought him out of love. And he, he, he would stay and play board games with uh, little eight-year-old Joni while, you know, he was doing the groceries. And, and she never forgot that. She grew up and went to high school and ended up going to college, and, and uh, she had never forgotten that Salvation Army's that sergeant from the Salvation Army coming over and dropping over those groceries. Well, she met a man named Ray, and they get married. And Ray was kind of a um, an adventurer. He, he 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 liked. He was an entrepreneur. He liked to try things, and he he uh, he came up with the recipe for chocolate shakes. How many like chocolate shakes? I, I love chocolate shakes. My wife loves chocolate shakes, and so he had a he 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 formed chocolate shakes, and then he, he met two brothers who had a hamburger, and, and uh, he decided uh, he, he wanted to go into business with them, and they did they said no, so he bought their business, and, and the chocolate shakes and the hamburgers got together, and they formed McDonald's restaurant, and Joan Kroc married Ray Kroc, and Ray Kroc bought the San Diego Padres, and he was one of America's first billionaires, and, and uh, he died, and Joan Kroc sold the San Diego Padres and continued her interest in McDonald's, and then when she died, she left a $1.6 billion gift to the Salvation Army because she never forgot that sergeant who came over and brought groceries on Tuesday nights and stopped and played card games with her. He was just doing her part, preaching the good news. And she did her part, preaching the good news. Stand with me right where you're at. She had a valley of weeping that probably lasted a lifetime. And she made it through it. God's favor wasn't that she became wealthy. God's favor was that she gave her wealth away. And she, she became someone that could preach the good news. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I just want to ask you today, maybe you're in that valley of weeping. I don't know what kind of favor God has for you through it, but I do know there are a lot of hurting people watching online. There's hurting people on this platform. There's hurting people in this congregation. There's hurting people in this city. There's hurting people all around the world. I want to give you a word today. If you'll make it through, God's got favor for you. God's got favor for those of you who are upright, who have lived this thing for years and decades. With integrity, God's got favor for you. I don't know what that favor looks like. I just know that he has that favor for you because it's a promise of God. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I can't even worship. I'm too busy weeping. I want you to raise your hand just so that we can worship for you because the song, I see those hands. God bless you. Hands all over the place. I see those. Hands probably being raised watching this. We're going to sing the song, The Blessing, and I want you to know that if you can, we're going to worship. We're going to worship together, and we're going to declare a blessing upon you and your family, your family's family, your kids' kids. We're going to declare that blessing today. But if you can't worship because you're weeping, I don't want you to feel bad. 
I want you just to receive it today. You receive our worship like God is. Receive it over your situation so that you can break through into the new season that God has in store for you. And as you break through into that new season and favor rests upon you, I want you to remember that you might too also need to worship at some point in time for somebody else. Let me pray as before we begin to worship. Father, we see the hearts of men. You see them. You know the hearts of men and women watching online here in-house. Lord, the moments, the seasons of weeping, maybe even years in some case. Father, we pray a breakthrough in 2022. We pray, Father, Lord, that you give birth to that new thing. As they, as they weep, allow us to worship. And Lord, accept our worship. And now, Lord, dance over them. Undo those things in their life that maybe have been done, that need to be bound, unbound and birth forth, Father. As we, as we cry out to you in just a moment, Father, Lord, we declare blessings over each person here. In Jesus' name we pray.
in your weeping and rejoicing, there is favor because he is for you. Your weeping brings worship, but even if you can't worship, let us worship with you and for you so that you can get to that point of favor because it'll be all worth it in the end. Every time you say holy, the saints bow down in heaven, according to Revelation 4. Every time we cry, just say holy, holy, just one more time, holy. Every time we cry out holy, the saints bow down because that worship makes warfare for those who are And if you're weeping today, we worship in warfare for you. We want to pray and close the service. We want to thank you and tell you happy Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. If you're able to make it out Friday, come on out. We're going to have a great hour or so together. If you can, enjoy a safe Merry Christmas. But can I, can I pray? Let me pray. Father, we pray for those in-house. We pray for those watching online that maybe are weeping themselves. Lord, we cry holy because the saints bow down in worship warfare while others, our friends, are weeping. 
Lord, help them through this weeping. Father, Lord, let us to do warfare, worship with them, Father. I pray a blessing over them in this Christmas season. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the Christmas story. And thank you, Lord, that we all have a baka that we're going to pass through. Lord, where you to expose favor upon each one. Bless our church, those online, those in-house. Bless our community. Bless this nation. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Merry Christmas, y'all. We love you.